Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. I'm so happy to welcome Emily Ho, university student, food blogger, and a recent Savoir Blog Award winner of the Editor's Choice for Best Food Instagram. Congratulations, Emily. Emily reached out to me to share her family's glutinous rice cake recipe, also known as a sticky rice cake. And this is traditionally eaten for the Chinese New Year, which just happens to be this Saturday, January 25th. I learned so much in this interview, and it only heightened my interest in the celebrations of Chinese New Year. So I'm also thrilled that this Friday, I'll be sharing a bonus episode with another guest who will be discussing the Chinese New Year from her perspective. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, not only to get this Friday's bonus episode, but also because every new subscriber means so very much to me personally. And now I'm really excited to share Emily. Here she is. Good morning. Good morning. So I've I've somehow gotten through a month of the podcast without explaining this to any guests, but our oven has actually been broken for oh, over no. a month. Yeah. Oh no, how do you still bake? <laughs> well, it works sometimes. Okay. And if, okay. if you kind of like bully it into submission. <laughs> yeah, it's like wacky. It. I, I used to do that with the TV. <laughs> so yesterday, mm-hmm. I thought it was working. It got up to temperature. Well, and then it was, it wasn't holding its temperature. So I have, I, I have no idea if this cake was how it was supposed to be. Oh, no. oh, there's, yeah. So tell me, I want to talk about the significance and the meaning of the cake in a minute, yeah. but first tell me just why it tastes good and what it tastes and feels like. Yeah. So um, I think I didn't, even though I'm like Chinese slash Taiwanese, I didn't try the cake until I was maybe 11 or 12 it's my mom made it and I was like oh my god this is so good I don't know if you try Japanese mochi but that's also made of glutinous rice flour but this is kind of like a mochi cake Whoa. so you bite in it and it's like sticky but it's not like sticky so you can't chew the whole thing depends on how much glutinous rice flour you put of course it's just really soft and um very easy to swallow and <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it has a really milky taste depending on what you put in it, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just really pleasurable to eat. <laughs> yeah, because of the texture. Because of the texture, because of the glutinous rice flour that makes it like s- sticky. <laughs> right, right. Would you call it a dense cake? Yes, yes. It's not supposed to be in in honesty, it's a pretty ugly cake it's not like some chiffon cake or angel food cake but it's about I guess more the taste and so it's only about when my mom makes it it's about maybe half an inch tall half an inch to Mm -hmm. an inch depending on how much baking powder you use of course but Mm -hmm. um, my mom made it in a nine by 13 so there was so much and I just ate way too much of it of course so now (laughs) I make it in like a eight by eight it's down by like a third (laughs) that's right yeah okay would you call it chewy yes yes it's very very chewy I mean it depends on how much what your ratio of glutinous rice flour and rice flour is yeah I like mine chewy as well okay then I think it turned out exactly how it was supposed to be oh okay (laughs) and uh, my favorite part about it actually was the edges do you like the edges um yeah, I noticed when I make it, I make it in the darker aluminum pan. My mom used to make it in the 
glass pants. Mm. I don't know if that made a difference, but whenever I make it, it's always a little browner on the edges. And yeah, it's a little like crispy or how did it be for you? Yes, exactly. It had that kind of extra chew on the edges. And there's something that something about the flavor that accumulates right there on the edge. I feel like since you have to bite into it a little bit more, you just get that extra little burst. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So it was very good. You definitely gave me a photography challenge. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, no, it's a little, (laughs) it's okay. I've got some ideas. Okay. I'll figure something out. And I I like a challenge. (laughs) I'm super excited to see like your photography is so beautiful. I'm just make everything no matter how ugly it is. Like the glutinous rice cake. Oh my goodness. Well, I am not the one who has won a Savor blog for photography. Oh no, I I think I got lucky. (laughs) I really don't feel like I deserve that. Well, I, I wish I wish you wouldn't say that because you Aww. have a beautiful feed, Aww, and as do you. <laughs> well, thank you, and I know I know you wouldn't call any of those other winners undeserving, right? Yeah, no, that's true. Which, <laughs> which speaks to the taste of the judges. So I yeah. really I I think that they made a really good choice of all the recipes you could have given me, right? Because mm-hmm. you, I think you reached out to me, right? Yeah, I was like, oh, Becky's doing a great thing for like the food community. I want to be a part of. of all. Did you know right away? Okay, oh, I, I wanna, I wanna share this recipe. I think I was gonna do one of my own recipes, but then I'm like, no, it's about like your heritage and like something that inspires you. So I was right. like, this is from like my mom and. Yeah, I'm really, really glad you chose this one. So you mentioned that this is a traditional Chinese cake, Mm -hmm. right? And particularly for the Chinese New Year? Yeah, so it's actually in Chinese, it's called Nian Gao. So Nian in Chinese would mean year and then Gao would mean tall. So it's like an idiom, it would mean like having a tall year or like a good year, like a successful year. That's so like Chinese people like doing that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like you stack up, you stack up your achievements, you stack up your blessings and into a tall tower in the year. That's kind of a cool visual. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, And actually that's typical of the Chinese language, isn't it? That like um, you create almost visuals in your mind with the words. Yeah, exactly. It's like the words are made from pictures over like thousands of years and it's like become a like a language now, but before it actually looked like a person. Like if you wrote the word um girl in Chinese, it would look like a woman standing or something and mm-hmm. it still does today. Hmm. I think that's such a great way to <laughs> to approach language. Yeah, it's really it's like um art almost. I yes. Don't know is much more <laughs> easy yes. to comprehend. Yeah, and I feel like it would help me be more articulate if for every word or for most words, I kind of had this picture in my mind, I would really understand what they mean instead of being like, oh, I've heard this word in this context a lot, so I'm going to just throw it out and hope it's the right word. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> so what's your relationship to China? Are you Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm actually Taiwanese, which is Taiwan is an island off of China. They're going through some political crises right now. So um, my mom's parents are were both born in Taiwan and my dad's parents were born in China. So mm-hmm. the Guangdong province specifically, but they came 
during the Mao Zedong regime to escape communism and went to Taiwan when they were um, maybe in their late teens, early 20s. Both my parents were born in Taiwan, and then they came in the 80s and went to high school in California. We've been here for the past almost 40 years now. Okay. The Taiwanese, they speak Chinese. They adhere to all the same Chinese mm-hmm. traditions. They probably don't adhere to all the same traditions. Like some holidays, like Chinese New Year, they'll probably observe. I don't even know, but they speak Mandarin and Taiwanese. It's like a dialect that I don't understand, but my mom speaks it to her mom. So places in China also have their own dialect, but overall, those two nations both speak Mandarin. Okay. Can you read Taiwanese or is that the same as reading Chinese? It's the same as reading Chinese, yes. Okay, so your your grandparents, all four grandparents, went to Taiwan, so they didn't really kind of suffer under. Um. Oh no, no. So my mom's parents were born in Taiwan, so they didn't have to deal with the mm-hmm. Chinese communist regime, but they did have to deal with the Japanese regime, which is, uh-huh. which was pretty cruel at the time. If you know about the World War Two yes. history, but um. Yes. So my mom's parents, um, they're both in Taiwan now, but. Uh, they both grew up speaking Japanese because it was required in the elementary school. But my dad's parents, sorry, this is so confusing. No, no, no. This is really interesting to me. And it's exactly what I want to hear. So take your time. Yeah. Yeah. My dad's parents were born in like rural China. So yeah, they didn't grow up under any good circumstances. I still try to get them to tell their story today and they won't talk too much about it to me maybe they because they saw a lot of violence and death and everything but they left by ship i think to Mm -hmm. taiwan in the late 40s and And you don't even really know the story of their escape how they managed to that uh, i know my grandma's she said she went down by the port and then she said they closed all the ships so she went back up and then went back down again and then yeah, you just hide on the ship and <laughs> away you go. I don't wow. think I've never been to China. My parents have never been to China. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we basically don't have many ties to China anymore. Okay. In the past okay. 78 years. Okay. Would you say that's true of most Taiwanese or would you say that's more because your family's been in the States for 40 mm-hmm. years? I think that's true for most Taiwanese. They're either Aboriginal, so I wanted to take a DNA test, but my mom was like, no, you're going to, your insurance is going <laughs> to like, rise up the prices. And then because I didn't know, because she said her parents, usually everyone in Taiwan right now, their ancestors came from China, either by boat or by recently. But she doesn't know when they came because she was like, oh, yeah, everyone I knew was born in Taiwan. But like the people before um, the Chinese started coming over in the 1940s, they were... Um, aboriginal people so (laughs) i might be that i don't know (laughs) okay okay so there were no chinese in taiwan before the 1940s or very very few very very few i think yeah there were not a lot the majority of them came to escape like the communist regime okay okay i did not know that okay and then was taiwan ever under um so forgive my ignorance i'm gonna be totally (laughs) honest i actually think that i get taiwan and hong kong confused because Ah, they're both like independent you know but hong kong now that was a british colony but taiwan was never colonized except uh, apparently by the chinese in a sense by the japanese oh by the japanese right right yeah 
my grandfather served in World War II. And wow. he, yeah. Which theater? Well, in um, East Asia. And actually, wow. mm-hmm, and he tells okay. this one story mm-hmm. where they were, American soldiers were okay. walking along the street and a Japanese soldier looked at them and he wanted to intimidate them this Japanese soldier, he just took his bayonet and, and just, you know, of course he didn't have the nerve to do it to an American. Oh no, no. Yeah. yeah. So he just did it to like an innocent Chinese man who yeah. was walking by. And I mean, wow. It that's was such a, yeah, such wow. a disturbing, disturbing sight to my grandfather. And after hearing that, I definitely understand what you're saying about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the you cruelty can, of what yeah. the Taiwanese suffered. Exactly. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So then it was, you said it was about 40 years ago and it was your parents that came from Taiwan yeah. to California. So, so they okay, flew so tell over. Me about that. They just, they flew over and it was just, it, it, it was an easy, you get a visa, you immigrate, that was it? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think for my mom, it was 1981. She already had her cousins and uncle living in California. So they just decided um, life in America is probably better. So they came to California, LAX, and she was like, oh, it looked so shabby back then. <laughs> I'm like, compared to what it is now, of course. <clears throat> but my dad came a little later, I think 1983, and came with his mom, because his dad, my dad's dad, is was in the military, so he didn't come until later. Oh, my and my God. parents met in high school, and they've been together for like very long time. Oh, <laughs> so what was it like for your parents to create a new life? Um, was it smooth sailing or were there a lot of barriers? What kinds of things did they come up against here in so America? My parents had it easier than my grandparents, of course, because mm. like, there was a lot of, of diversity, I think, in their schools. They mm. were from the Los Angeles County, so East LA area. So that's where they went to school. But yeah, besides the language barrier, I think it was pretty okay. Um, they got pretty Americanized pretty fast. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I still think they're very traditional in a way that, oh, they want their children. So this is my parents want us, me and my sister to get go into a good school and get a good job and mm-hmm. like do our homework and study hard. And yeah. in terms of that. Advanced. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think, I guess their parents instilled that in them. So maybe it's a inherited thing. Mm-hmm. And they probably saw it pay off. You know, they probably saw a difference between their life and their parents' life and their parents than those parents. And exactly. they felt like. Yeah. So in terms of the transition, tell me about the cooking that your yeah. mom or your dad did growing up. Well, first of all, I'm actually yeah. I'm backing up a step. So how similar is Chinese and Taiwanese cooking? Um, it's It's pretty similar. I think we all use the majority of the same like spices and seasonings and of course rice is a staple noodles mm-hmm. um i think taiwanese food hmm there's more fried stuff and chinese food is just really oily so oh, <laughs> it's actually not my favorite yeah <laughs> okay okay that's very interesting okay so what was it like in your home so my mom grew up with a really talented cook as uh, her mom, like my grandma, is a very good at cooking and baking, so maybe that's where I get it from. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, yeah, my mom didn't inherit those. Not that she's a bad cook, but she doesn't enjoy. She's told me multiple times that she would rather not cook. She doesn't enjoy cooking, but her food is you pretty know, good. I do. 
This is so fascinating to me because a recent guest, she said that she really believes that cooking and baking skips a generation. It does. It does. It's like, um, one of, yeah, my parents are both like parents generation. Mm -hmm. It was like a necessity, you know, like to put Mm -hmm. food to even have something to eat was very, um, was a great blessing. And for my parents, it was like, more oh I have more opportunities professionally now I could explore finance or engineering and I don't have to worry about like cooking I guess I don't know there's so many mm-hmm. <laughs> restaurants no yeah no actually what you're saying makes so much sense mm-hmm. I my, my my mom made like just I don't know it's still the same brown rice and like a variety of like sauteed vegetables and maybe soup sometimes meat we don't eat meat that much mm-hmm. We would go out maybe like once a week to, we love Asian food. So mm-hmm. yeah, Vietnamese food in particular, um, Japanese food is cool, but mm-hmm. rarely was it like Chinese food. It's really weird. <laughs> that yeah. is really interesting. Okay. How about your grandmother? Was she? Um... Oh, yeah. So my mom's mom, the really good cook, she's actually, she's unable to, she's been unable to move. So she's paralyzed in one side of her body for the past two decades I think but um she used to be I heard she used to make really great like Chinese and Taiwanese dishes as well as like Asian baked goods I guess (laughs) yeah but my dad's mom so she still cooks and my grandpa my dad also um cooks a lot as well I love their food yeah all right so let's talk about um I I scheduled this for this week because I was really excited that it related to the Chinese New Year and that we could talk about this which is uh Saturday January 25th this year (laughs) so is there really a different calendar oh a lunar calendar oh but modern day China uses the Gregorian calendar but New Year and whatever is on the Chinese calendar I guess Okay. Uh, months begin on the day of the new moon. I guess that's how the old calendar worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is actually way more logical. I'm super <laughs> curious now how the Gregorian one even came about. I don't know. I feel like we're so I'm so used to the what the standard calendar we have now. But... Yeah, but it's so random. Like our months don't even have the same number of days. Exactly. February, you know? <laughs> for example. Yes. Yeah. I'm really curious about this now, how they split and why. So um <laughs> Now, can you tell me a little bit more about, I don't even know how many animals there are, but for instance, this one coming up is the year of the rat. So can you tell yes, me a little yes. bit about all of that? What's behind that? Yeah. What does it mean? So, um, yeah. Uh, we just grew up learning that each year is a different, represented by a different animal, I think. but there's a lot of um, assumptions out there that, oh, um, if you're a rat, say like, I'm born in the year 1999, which is represented by the rabbit. It's like, oh, if you're a rabbit, then you're better matched with, or you will get along with, say like the tiger or something. I don't know if that's right, but Mm -hmm. there's Mm -hmm. assumptions about that. It's like, oh, you'll get along better with them and it'll be a better like romantic match or friendship match, which is, I think is complete nonsense. But <laughs> Yeah. That's what they believe. <laughs> do you think most Chinese think it's nonsense at this point? Or do you think that they. No, I feel like, well, maybe the older generation still believe in it. Definitely. I think. Okay. Yeah. It's like very different generationally, I think. And rabbits right. are traditionally known as being anxious and scared, which can or cannot be true. It is true for me, but 
you're no, you're I, you're a year of the rabbit. Yeah, I am. Yeah, and then like dragons and tigers are more like confident or fierce or something. Yeah. So I'm really curious about this, Emily. <laughs> How much of that do you think ends up being a self fulfilling prophecy? I don't know. I feel like um, my mom's been telling me since I was young. I'm like, they're like, oh, my mom was a rabbit. So my grandma is also a rabbit. And she's also super scared and like <laughs> anxious. And I'm, I didn't know I had anxiety back then. But now I do. I'm like, wow, this part is really true. Who knows about the other parts, though? But that's really interesting. What what yeah. other characteristics are you supposed to have as a rabbit? They usually have soft and tender personality traits, which I don't think I do. Mm. Yeah, modest attitude will not be irritated easily. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's attitude. just say I'm definitely not a rabbit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so they kind of they are kind of because like you said, the tiger and the dragons are more confident. So they kind of do take the attributes that you assign to the animal. I think, I think. What do you recall about Chinese New Year celebrations? Did you celebrate it as a kid? Okay, I feel so boring for saying this. I mean, we would go to the grandparents' house, have a meal, eat some moon cake. Uh-huh. And that would be it, yeah. <laughs> what's what's not, moon, cake, big. moon cake? Moon oh, cake is different. Oh, so um, it's, a, it's a pastry that's kind of like a cookie layer on the outside. It's very smooth, though. It's made probably from a lot of butter. And then inside, there's either red bean filling there's um egg yolk filling there's oh lotus seed paste mm-hmm. which i don't really like yeah all right i wanted to ask you about this red beans you said that mm-hmm. in in the sticky the glutinous sticky rice cake. Cake. yeah yeah you can either put in chocolate chips uh-huh raisins or red beans <laughs> yeah yeah or whatever you want I guess. so tell me yeah right <laughs> right you're like I won't limit to put in whatever you want so when I think of red beans honestly I think I picture kidney beans because they're red oh okay yeah but so I, I lived in Japan for a year so I know that red beans oh. are not kidney beans but I don't really know what red beans are yeah no they're just like a sweet I actually ate some for breakfast today um they're usually soaked overnight and then my mom uses the instant pot to like pressure cook it and she adds like some brown sugar and makes it a little sweet but you can get the paste at like any Japanese market and they sweeten it for you I think it's pretty sweet but it's just yeah. like a con- used in confectionaries as a filling but the beans themselves are not naturally sweet no I don't think any beans is naturally sweet but yeah it's only used for sweet purposes I think yeah okay yeah you just they absorb some of the sweetness exactly Uh, if you're making like a bean soup I guess mm -hmm. the soup is probably a little sweet okay okay Mm -hmm. I just wanted to talk about um a couple of the things that you mentioned a couple of the dishes that you mentioned in your bio that you love so one is pineapple bread what is that Okay, so pineapple bread is a like traditional, I think it's originated in Hong Kong, but it's a Chinese bread that is shaped like a bun and has a cookie crust on top with patterns. How you make it is you make like, it's usually a brioche dough for the base for the bun. And then for the topping, it's like a sugar cookie recipe that you put in the refrigerator and you cut and roll out and put on top of the bun. And then you use, say, like a bench scraper and then make the crosshatch on the top. 
Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I make it yes. a lot, I think. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. There's no actual pineapple in it. No. It's everyone just... gets confused. Yeah. Oh, it, okay. It it's is... just called that because of the crosshatch pattern. Yeah. It's shaped like a pineapple. Yeah. And it's yellow, I guess, because from butter. I yeah. see. I, I really see. like making different flavors from it, like matcha or chocolate oh. and like red bean. That awesome. <laughs> okay. And last one. How about pork floss? Oh, pork floss. So that is a Chinese thing as well. So it's just ground pork that's really, really processed into this flaky, really delicious topping. It's usually used on rice and like they put it on bread sometimes. There's this traditional Chinese bread that's called the pork floss bun. And then Uh it's just a piece of bread. And I think they put little, I don't know if it's mayonnaise or butter on top of the bread and they sprinkle pork floss so that it sticks. Mm. probably really good <laughs> wow that sounds amazing yeah sure does. all right so tell all of my listeners how they can find you and follow you yeah so you can find me at a shortgirlsfeast.com where i post like a lot of asian inspired recipes and then on instagram it's also at a short girls feast yes and i'll make yeah. sure that i include those in the show notes so oh, great yeah thank you so much for your time emily so happy I did this with you and got to talk to you today about this. It's really I'm, interesting. It is. I learned a lot. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Emily for taking time out of her baking and blogging and her university schedules to share both her knowledge and her experiences. She gave me so much to think about. I was so curious to learn more about Chinese New Year traditions that I've reached out to another guest who will appear in a bonus episode this Friday just in time for the new year on Saturday. Also, next week, I'll be sharing an incredibly powerful episode featuring Suwani Lennon, who grew up in a leprosy camp in Thailand. This is an episode you will definitely not want to miss. Hit that subscribe button to make sure you get both of the next two episodes. It also helps me so much if you leave a review for the storied recipe, and I will be so grateful if you do so. You can always find me at thestoriedrecipe.com or on Instagram at thestoriedrecipe underscore podcast. In the meantime, have a great week, my friends.